0: Again, I want to say thank you to everybody that's joined us today, and I pray that you are enjoying worshiping God together. And if you have a Bible, I want you to take it and go to Genesis, Genesis with me. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 17, Genesis chapter 18, and Genesis chapter 21. And this is a little bit of a different sermon because it's very topical. Believe it or not, I'm going to try and cover Genesis chapter 11 through chapter 21. So don't get scared. I promise this is not uh, going to be one of those. I'm not Paul. I can't preach till midnight and raise people from the dead. And hey, you have the advantage that if I go too long, you can mute me or turn me off or go about your day. I pray that God's word will captivate you, though, and you'll want to stay through this sermon time. As I want to talk to you about Sarah on Mother's Day of 2020. So once again, and I I don't get tired of this. I know I'm I'm being a bit repetitive, but I do want to say happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. But as I say that, can I also say, wow, what a difference a year makes, right? Well, maybe what a difference a few months can make. Can I get a witness out there, right? If you ever wanted an example of how much can change in a life or a family or a city or a province or a country, indeed a world, look no further than May 2019 to May of 2020. I don't know if you want me to do this or if this will depress you or discourage you, but we've been in lockdown since March the 16th. And from then to now, we've waited haven't we? Oh, we've tuned in and watched the health updates. We've watched and listened to the news broadcasts, and then we waited. And then we listened for more updates, new updates about reopening or lifting the restrictions, and then we waited to see what the count would be. We finally, finally got the freedom last week to double bubble, and that actually became a phrase. And tomorrow, by God's grace, if everything goes right, Newfoundland and Labrador moves to level four, and we'll get some lifting and easing of restrictions, and then we have to wait. How are you with waiting? Some of you out there maybe have had to get the coronavirus test done. I know this is something that Debbie and I walked through with our family in this past week, and then you wait You wait for that phone call. How are you, though, when you think bigger? How are you for wanting something or believing that what you want is a good thing or being told that you can have it or it will happen for you, but you just have to be patient and wait? Now, think about what I can put into those categories, whether it be a job or a promotion. Maybe for some of you single people, it's about a relationship or marriage Maybe for some of you married couples, it's about children. Maybe for some of you teenagers, it's about getting your driver's license or graduating and going to senior high or graduating from high school or graduating from university. Maybe for some of you couples or families, it's about that dream vacation or that new piece of furniture, buying your first house or building your first home or that renovation. Maybe Mother's Day of 2020... Is about some of you watching and reading and waiting to hear the words, we have a vaccination for COVID-19. Maybe you're waiting for the government to see your point of view and lift all the restrictions. My grandfather used to say this, everything comes to him who waits if he works while he waits. And my dad heard that and told it to me, and I've heard it and told it to my kids. And I believe that's actually a true axiom of life, but... You see, I think my pop meant it that if you you'll get what you're waiting for because if you keep working, your workings towards it and you'll eventually you'll make it happen. But see, what do you do when God tells you to wait? Or what about when God says, I'll do this for you? Just wait. Now, I'm speaking to many Christians this morning many of you that have read your Bible, have you considered how many promises of God have been made from Genesis to Revelation that required the recipient to wait days or weeks or months or years or centuries or millennia? And I actually think we can make this parallel with our government You see, our government has been thrust into this to some degree. They promise better days. All the while, they have to carefully put restrictions upon us and make us wait. They tell us, we care for you when we're making all of these uh, decisions in your best interest. But yet when they're questioned, they honestly have few specific answers because often we're all making this up as we go along. And I believe, I don't want you to misinterpret me, I believe that our government does care for us. And there's no doubt when you hear the genuineness of Dr. Fitzgerald and Dr. Hagee. They want us to be safe. They want us to be healthy. They want us to have a way to move forward as a people. And yet, in our humanity, and may I speak to the Christians here, I believe often the public treats our government leaders the way far too many professing Christians Treat God, especially when we're told to wait. We criticize. We say we could do it better or we would have done it better. We offer to help, not knowing all of the facts. And we assume the worst sometimes. We mistrust or actually think God doesn't have our best interests in mind. And that's what I've seen in the public realm towards our government. Now listen, I'm not saying government is perfect. And I know they're human beings. And I know that there are tragically too many examples of corruption or wrongdoing in government. But you know what? Let's bring this home. That's also true of mothers and motherhood and of fathers and fatherhood, that's true of husbands and wives. But the Bible uses both marriage and family and government to remind us of how good God is. And so today, for a few minutes, I thought I and we could honor motherhood, that we could think about the daughters of God, Today at Calvary Baptist Church, we unapologetically celebrate the family. We believe in a mom and a dad and children in the family unit. And we believe that moms are used by God to give Him glory. We believe that women represent Himself to us all. And I think we'd be doing good service to ourselves to look at the life of just one godly woman in the Bible, and her name was Sarah. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, the mother of Isaac. Sarah is a special lady, and I say that because the Bible says so. Twice in the New Testament, she's referenced with incredible dignity and honor. The first one being in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, what we call the hall of faith. There, the preacher who's preaching this sermon of Hebrews says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Why? Since she considered him God faithful who had promised. Now, did you notice that phrase? Sarah considered God faithful who had promised. Hey, moms, I want you to do that today. I want you to consider God your father when you Think about Him. Think about how faithful He is as you think about your kids. Hey, wives, I want you to think about the faithfulness of God as you think about your husbands. Ladies, sisters, I want you to think about the faithfulness of God as you consider your lives and the direction that you're headed in. And really, isn't this true of us all? How can we see God? And I actually say this a lot in my counseling. Tell me how you see God And that will tell me and us an awful lot about how we are reacting to our world and our present situation. Later in Hebrews, Peter, sorry, in the book of Peter, Peter would talk about Sarah as well. Now, in a peculiar way that often I think gets misinterpreted and misunderstood, listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3. He talks about beauty, and he talks about what makes a woman truly beautiful, and he says this, instead... So instead of reacting like the world that puts all of its emphasis on the exterior, he said it should consist of what is inside the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. And that is valuable in God's eyes. Peter says, for in the past, the holy women who put their trust in God also beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, hang with me, ladies. You have become her children when you do what is good and not frightened by anything alarming. Now, if you actually take the time to read about Sarah, you can put these verses in their context and not misinterpret this. You see, when you look into her life, you actually read that Sarah is physically beautiful. I'm going to really unpack this in a couple of minutes. Sarah was a woman noticed by others, both men and women. So much so that Abraham was so concerned and intimidated by her beauty, not once but twice, he would say to her, would you lie about our relationship? Don't tell these guys that you're married to me. Instead, tell them you're my sister because he feared his own well-being and safety in life if these guys that he was traveling around with knew that she was his wife. And so what Peter's actually doing here is he's using the example of a beautiful woman to admonish all women to see that it was what was inside of Sarah that made her truly beautiful to God. And he was her creator, namely that she hoped in him. And by the way, this gentle and quiet spirit, that's not a way of talking about, ladies, your personality or your disposition, whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you're a talker or you're quiet. This is about trusting God with your life and the lives of those around you. And so today, on Mother's Day of 2020, I want to focus on motherhood. I want to focus on tomorrow's hope that we will move to level four in our province And that our prayer for a vaccine and our desire to work again and our need for human interaction just like that dear mom who was so apologetic and yet so desperate for a hug as we all wait. And Sarah's life helps us. And so here's what I want you to take away today. As in a few minutes I'll clue up and get you all into your Mother's Day weekend. I want you to take this one big idea. God is always working. Listen to me now. God is always working. He's working in my life. He's working in my marriage. He's working in my family. He's working in your life. He's working in your relationships, your marriage, your family. He's working all the time. Even while from our perspective it seems like all we do is wait. All we do is wait. So let's look at the life of Sarah. Go with me if you would to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, let's start all the way back there towards the very end of the chapter because here's my first point for you this morning. Take this home. Sarah waited in the face of her trials. We are first introduced to Sarah in actually the most unflattering of ways. Genesis chapter 11 verse 30 simply says, but this time her name is not Sarah, it's Sarai. It says, but Sarai was barren and she had no child. This is the way we're introduced to this woman. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to realize. If you look down into chapter 12, just in the first 10 verses, you'll be introduced to Abraham and realize that Abraham is 75 years old and Sarai is 65 years old. Now, hang on to that reality. I just said this woman was 65. And I want you to do that for a couple of reasons. One, Sarah's dealt with the fact that she's barren and had no child for a long time already. Sixty-five years. If you read back in the last half of chapter 11 11 of Genesis, you'll find out that she has been a good daughter. She's faithfully married her husband Abraham. She's loved him. She's been a good family member. And as you're going to see, as you go through Genesis chapter 11, Genesis chapter 12, she follows her husband because God tells him to get up and leave Ur of the Chaldees. And the Bible seems to go out of its way to tell us Over and over again through chapter 12, 13, 14, especially 15, 16, that Abraham doesn't have any children and that he doesn't have any in Ur, then he moves off to Mesopotamia and he doesn't have any there, Sarah doesn't get pregnant there, and God is quietly moving him towards the Canaan land. And as one commentator says, it's because the son of promise will come in the land of promise but I want you to realize that we're introduced to Sarah this way because later on in Genesis chapter 17, we find out that Abraham is now 100 years old. And if you do the math, that means Sarah is 90 and still no child, still no birth. Now, women, take that from Sarah's perspective. You see, in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees because I'm going to make a nation of you, and you will be like the sand of the sea, and you'll be like the stars of the sky, and out of you will come the Messiah, and I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And so here it is, and from 65 years of age, already struggling with this waiting, longing Then God promises her husband several times, I might add, in chapter 12, in chapter 15, in chapter 17, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Abraham is coming home saying, Sarah, God spoke to me again, and he's going to bless us, (laughs) and she waits. Her friends and her family all seem to be having families, not only that, this long, 65 years plus 25 more years, they're not just having families. Some of her close friends have grandchildren now. And yet, she's faithful to her husband. She trusted God to keep her safe even when her husband struggled because right out of the gates in chapter 12 and again later in chapter 19 and 20, Abraham is going to screw up and he's going to go to Egypt and he's going to go to Abimelech and he's going to lie about Sarah and say, she's my sister Twice that he does this, and twice Sarah saves the marriage. I actually think this is a testament of the love they had for each other. She loved her husband. She didn't put him down. And she waited, and she waited, and she waited. Have you ever thought about how much the Bible talks about waiting? Noah was told it was going to rain and that he had to build an ark. And then he did that for 100 years, 100 years. Abraham was told that he would be blessed and then he had to wait. Jacob, who lost his son Joseph and only had his other son Benjamin, and he wondered what was gonna, God was going to do, and he had heard his son Joseph's dreams, and then he had to wait. Joseph, who was righteous and cast into prison and falsely accused, had to wait. The nation of Israel goes down to Egypt and flourishes. Then they're brought in under slavery, and for 430 years they waited. Last week I was talking to Dave Drover, and he told me that him and Leanne are walking through a study of the book of Judges, And he mentioned how often in the pages of Judges, it says 20 years went by and 30 years went by and 60 years went by as person after person or people or nation had to wait. David the king waited and longed for a temple and the coming of a Messiah. And then God went silent for 400 years and everybody had to wait. Elizabeth waited For a child, Mary had to wait for God to work. Even Jesus Christ in his humanity had to be born and had to grow up and wait for the appointed time to start his public ministry. The apostle Paul gets saved in Acts chapter 9, and then you flip it over, and when you come to Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 13, 14 to 17 years has gone by where he waited, and he was prepped of God before his ministry really takes off. Jesus told his disciples to wait in an upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, I want you to put all that in perspective as you and I here in 2020 of Mother's Day in the midst of a global pandemic where we now have in excess of 4 million cases, 60-something cases here in Canada, too many dead for us to be satisfied with. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that even creation groans and waits for the curse to be lifted. And then Paul includes us. He says in Romans chapter 8, and not only that about creation, he said, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves. Can you relate to Sarah? Can you relate to this groaning, this waiting, this eagerly, he says, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies? You know, yesterday, I felt 48. I got up early, was here at the office at 9 o'clock... We worked on the flowers. We did all that. We got it all down to the to the truck. We got over to Coleman's. Uh, we decided to look cool and studly and not take chairs, so we stood the whole time. So by the time it was done, it was after 3 o'clock. Then I had to go pick up Debbie. Then we had to go to Costco and to Walmart and run our errands. And then I got home, and I had to get things done for tomorrow and get things done for Mother's Day. And before I knew it, my hips, my knees, everything ached, and my feet hurt, and I could feel that pulsing. And I just realized... Oh, man, I miss being 22. And I had to take both Advil and Tylenol. And I'm so, some of you nurses and doctors out there are already getting worried about me over over, uh, medicating my pain. And I long for the time when I don't do that, when I know I need to get in shape and I do some push-ups or some sit-ups. I know then I'm going to have five or six days of agony. But you see, it's almost as if Paul understands our struggle Because he says, now in this hope we were saved, yet hope that is seen is not hope. Because who hopes for what he sees? If I already have it, I'm not hoping for it. It's there. And this is why he says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Now, again, Paul realizes, okay, it's easy for me to say this because he continues in the same way the Holy Spirit also joins to help in our weaknesses, Because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches the heart knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is what the Godhead is doing behind the scenes when you and I are waiting. Even in the face of our trials. Trusting that God is working. You see... Sarah listened each time to Abraham. Every time Abraham came home and said, I heard from God today. Sarah, he promised this. And then days, weeks, months, years, nothing. And think about it. Fill in the gaps. Don't you think they talked as a husband and wife? In Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make this covenant with you. I'm going to make this real now. And then God causes Abraham to go to sleep and he makes this covenant with himself Whereby two things God can't lie. And he says, Abraham, as sure as I've made this covenant with myself, I will bless you through your seed. And so now he wakes up. And he goes home and maybe Sarah's there with supper waiting and he says, honey, you'll never guess what happened. God caused me to go to sleep. And he promised this. And Sarah's like, really? You're telling me this again? Don't you realize how old I am? I'm 75 now. I'm 80 now. I'm 85 now. She's getting older. The years tick by. And I think it got harder for Sarah, not easier. Don't you? Did Sarah ask more questions? Did she start to look around and go, it can't be. It's it's, it's not going to happen, at least not with me. Where is God? My biological clock is ticking. And then she felt that window closing more and more. How can he promise this to my husband? And I stand by and nothing happens and he doesn't talk to me. Because you see, listen, waiting can tempt you to think wrongly and attempt you to do crazy things. So my second point is Sarah doubted. And tried to solve her own problems. Sarah doubted and tried to solve her own problems. 65 years old she was. When we first meet her in Genesis chapter 11. But if you flip over the pages and you go to Genesis chapter 16. You'll realize that finally Sarah hit a wall. She'd grown up. And did you realize that her name Sarai actually means my princess. She was daddy's little girl. And you need to realize how beautiful she was because even Islam thinks highly of Sarah. It is an Islamic tradition that it says Sarah was as beautiful as Eve. Now, to help you understand how significant that is, Muslims believe that God gave Eve two-thirds of all the beauty of the world and that the rest of women for all time only share the third that's left over. There you go. And yet they said Sarah was as beautiful as Eve was. And so everywhere Sarah went, she was noticed. After all, her name means my little princess. She was daddy's little girl. She grew up to be a little princess. But notice, it didn't satisfy her. In Genesis 16, and Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And so Sarah said to Abram behold now watch this the Lord has prevented me from bearing children go into my servant that I may that it may be I shall obtain children by her and here's the tragedy and Abraham listened Abram listened to the voice of Sarai and so after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan this means now she's 75 65 years she waited another 10 years she waited and then she couldn't do it anymore, even though she was gorgeous and beautiful. And maybe many women, many of her friends said, Sarah, why can you be unhappy? Look at you. You're drop dead gorgeous. But see, I know that the ladies out there understand this. And in fact, I think all of us do. See, if there's a hole in your heart, if you're longing for something and that longing starts to take over your mind, everything else can be going right. But that one thing just eats at you. Now think about your lives today. How many Facebook memes have I seen about all that we have to be thankful for? We've got food and homes and our family and our health. We've got a government that is truly trying to take care of us. And yet, mental health struggles are rising. Calls to domestic abuse hotlines have only gotten busier. Complaining and protesting seems to be growing. Why? Because we long for freedom. Freedom. We long for friends and contact. We long for the parties and the ability to work. We long for our love and security. And once a longing takes charge and you feel I've waited long enough and I can't stop, I can't trust God anymore, I can't trust my parents or I can't trust my government, I can't trust my wife or my husband, I can't trust the kids, I can't trust my friends, then you start doubting. And watch now, watch. Abraham seemed to honestly and really love his wife and Sarah Him. Because I say that because you don't lie for your husband twice and say with him if you don't love him. She's moved with Abraham, supported him through family issues with Lot, wars and rescues. She's watched as God has protected them, and especially Abraham, and herein lies the issue. You see, for her, God, Sarah probably thought God talks to Abraham. Abraham sees God work Want from going to one war and experiencing the blessings and deliverance. He's got stories to tell. Meanwhile, she just keeps getting older. She's longing for a child. She longs for God to work in her life. And wouldn't you know it, she starts to doubt. Oh, by the way, just like Eve did. And she wonders if God is truly working or has her best interest in mind. Is God holding back? Does God really care? Did he forget? But I wonder if Sarah started to think, you know what? I know what's going to happen. God's going to fulfill the promise, but not with me. And so in Genesis chapter 16, and did you listen carefully? Notice what she says. God has prevented me. She actually goes to her husband and she reasons. I've been waiting and God hasn't worked. So this is what I've come up with. Take my Egyptian slave. Now, here's the irony. That Egyptian slave, Hagar, was probably a gift from the Egyptian pharaoh the first time Abraham lied about Sarah. And Sarah thinks, God is only going to work in Abraham's life. He's never going to work in mine. And yet she's forgotten the way that God did work in her life and protected her. And so, she says, well, since the Lord is preventing me, maybe I can help fulfill the promise by doing it my way. You see, waiting had taken its toll on this girl and this woman and coupled with the doubts that God wasn't going to work, she actually thinks God needs help. She needs to make the plan happen. You see, I don't think Sarah got up and said, I don't believe God anymore. I'm rebelling against God. I think she actually thinks, no, I've got to help make this happen. And I want you to realize, by the way, commercial for men, don't miss how complicit Abraham is in this. He goes along with the plan. He shows a lack of leadership, a lack of love, a lack of trust himself. And wouldn't you know it, he goes in and violates his marriage vows, and he sleeps with Hagar, and she gets pregnant. And if you watch, almost immediately, Hagar goes from slave to mistress to feeling she's superior. And she starts to look down on Sarah. And Sarah feels this because now Hagar says, I have something, I can do something you can't. I have something that will make Abraham love me and admire me and you don't. And Sarah instantly feels the doubt, the hurt, the guilt and regret And then she says unreasonable stuff, which you and I do when we do this. And notice, she's accusatory. She's unreasonable. She's blaming. She says to Abraham, this is your fault, even though it was my idea. And then she evokes God, and she says, may he judge whose side he's on. This is what doubt will do. Matthew uh, Leahy preached uh, in, in James, there a couple of weeks ago in his next sermon, it'll remind us that we, if we lack wisdom, we are to ask of God. But it says, when we are tempted, we are lured and enticed by our own desires. Now, watch this. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And because Hagar, doub- or sorry, Sarah doubted, the whole ordeal spirals out of control. Doubt led to poor choices. That means it leads to blame, then it leads to anger, and this leads to forsaken leadership and broken relationships. And can you imagine if this is where Sarah's life stopped? (laughs) I think it'd be a tragedy. But do you feel it? Are you right here now in your life, doubting that you've made a bad decision Feeling the, the, the repercussions of that impulsive decision you made? Did you think that God needed a push from you or that God's not working in your life while he's working in everybody else's life? Have you made that choice that's not going well and it's backfired and so now you feel worse than before and now you're hurt and now you're ashamed and now you're burdened and now you're scared? But listen to me, God was working through Sarah's waiting and her doubts. <laughs> Sarah went to places she thought she'd never end up She had convinced herself that God needed her help. And as we see, Sarah didn't just rebel. She was sure that her plan was a good one. And I wonder if she thought this is it. I've blown it. I've embarrassed myself, I've embarrassed my husband. How will God ever forgive me now? How can God work in my life now? I'm going to die, and Abraham is just going to go get a new younger wife, and he's going to experience all these blessings. Can you feel her pain? Can you feel her regrets? She had waited. She'd been faithful, and she snapped, and now it was over for her. (laughs) But God is working. Look in Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah. She goes from being my little princess to being my noble woman. That's what her name means. He says, I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and they shall, she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Now watch this, men. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who was 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who was 90 years old, bear a child? Now realize what's happened, right? She was 75 and she concocted this plan. Then Hagar gets pregnant. For somewhere now over a decade, still silence, now regret, anger, frustration, shame, all of this. But God said, Sarah... Sarai is now Sarah, and this makes me laugh, because if you continue to read, not only is God working in Sarah's life and Abraham's life, he will work in Hagar's life and Ishmael's life. You see, God is working, and through our mistakes and our failures and our doubts, he's always accomplishing his way. So here in 17, Abraham's laughs. Then if you look over to chapter 18... Then God comes to them and Sarah is preparing a meal for the pre-incarnate Christ. And he says, where's your wife, Sarah? And he says, listen, this time next year, I'm going to come and she will have a son in her arms. And Sarah laughs. laughs. You see, sin had sought to destroy her. But God will not be stopped. And so finally, I want you to remember, Sarah discovers God's greatness in her waiting And over her doubts. (laughs) Sarah's not only blessed of God to conceive. At 90 years of age, she bears a son, names him Isaac. But if you watch in chapter 18, it says she was given the ability to nurse her son to the point of weaning him. Here she was at 90 years old, she gets pregnant. 90 years old, she gives birth. At 91, 92, 93, she nurses this child. God doesn't just bless her, he amazes her. He overwhelms her with his power. And Sarah discovers, God, he's always working. You see, Romans 8.28 made sense to Sarah long before Paul ever wrote it. All things do work together for good. Now watch, because in chapter 18, we find out that they name him uh, Isaac. Their miracle son is named Isaac. And you know what his name means? Laughter. Dad laughed. Mom laughed. Don't forget, in Genesis 17, Abraham laughed in amazement. In chapter 18... Sarah laughs, but pardon the pun, God has the last and best laugh of them all. Every time they would now look at their son, every time they called his name Isaac, they would remember, Abraham would remember, remember, Sarah would remember. How many times did they get together and say, do you remember when we left? Do you remember when God finally made this come true? When God took over our doubts and answered our questions, even overcame our mistakes and turned them into joy? And oh, how God worked. And oh, how we doubted and even got in his way, but look at the grace and mercy of God. Is it any wonder that the descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, King David, would say that the ultimate descendant, Jesus Christ, would come and turn our mourning into laughter and that joy comes in the morning and that his mercies are new every day? And that's why Paul talks about Abraham in Romans chapter 1. That's why Sarah makes it into Hebrews chapter 11. That's why Sarah experienced the gospel. God forgave her sin, overcomes her doubts, extends mercy and grace. Ninety years she waited. By the way, Sarah lives to be 127 years of age. How much joy do you think were in those last 37 years? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. She built her hope on God's promise, but it was, in fact, that God is always working. So Mother's Day of 2020, I would contend that Mother's Day of 2020 is going to stand out like no other Mother's Day in a long time. It may well be that this day will not be like any other Mother's Day for many of us ever in our lifetime. But how are you going to look back on how you've dealt with the last 60 days? How are you going to look ahead? How are you going to deal with today? How are you doing with waiting on God? How are you with trusting God's word even when things aren't going your way? How do you react if God asks you to do something, but all the while it seems you're not getting the answer you've been asking for? Whether it's money or family or relationships, your future or jobs or careers or parents, kids, hurts, desires, or dreams. I want you to remember this very quickly. God is always working even as you wait and wonder. God is always working. My friend Weston Rasky, that's Leanne Drover's dad. He's a good friend of ours. Yesterday he had a wonderful little Facebook post about new words we've all come to learn in the last 60 days. Words like pandemic, pandemic, COVID-19. Social distancing. Flatten the curve. Self-isolate. Shelter in place. Bubble and then double bubble. Quarantine. Virus. New normal. Unprecedented. And then we get things like murder hornets. And lastly, but certainly not least, and a little bit funny, speaking moistly. (laughs) These are new words. Some are funny Some are tragic, and I'd also add words we've learned in the last two months. Mass murder, protests, mental illness, economic recession or depression, religious freedom. And I think you have words and thoughts and experiences that you'd add, but listen to me, God is working. Paul would tell his protege Titus, in Titus chapter 3, for the, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Why? Waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, we can never forget that God is faithful. God can't lie. God always keeps His promises. God is always working. And so I want you to remember that God is always faithful, even when you and I doubt. You see, God had made a promise... And that promise was actually going to be fulfilled on God's schedule, not Sarah's. You see, if you look at Genesis chapter 21, verse 2, it says, Sarah gave birth, notice, at the set time. So friends, me and Debbie and our family, you and your families, we are living in May 10th of 2020 at this time. We can't change that. You can't go back. You can't go ahead. We are here in this time. This is God's schedule for our lives. And so my friends, men and women, sons and daughters, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, how are you doing trusting God's timing compared to yours? Are you struggling with impatience with God? Are you doubting God's timing or God's ways? Just remember, God is faithful even when we doubt. And that means that God is sovereign and we've got to trust Him. God is always working. He is always faithful, even in the face of our doubts and struggles. And because he is sovereign, we must not only can trust him, we must trust him. And by the way, that leads to real joy and real freedom. When you believe that he is working and he is faithful, then you can respond to him. And you can be just like Sarah. And we see this carried into the New Testament over and over again. And finally, God is far more wonderful than we can imagine. Sarah thought she blew it. And then God gave her more than she ever thought possible. Not just a child, a child at 90, a child that she nursed and weaned, a child that she saw grow up to become a man and marry, a child that gave her grandchildren, Sam Albury puts it so well. Jesus didn't come to earth to scold us. He didn't come here to excuse us. He came to forgive us and redeem us. He is not a God of a wagging finger. He is not a guy of shrugging shoulders. He is the Messiah and the Redeemer with outstretched arms. Jesus promised life to those who come to him. Peter tells us we can cast our burdens upon him. Paul said we can give our anxieties to him. We can find his mercies are new every morning. Sarah discovered a joy and a peace and a purpose through waiting. Hebrews tells us she received power to conceive since she considered God faithful. So if you're watching this morning, will you turn to Jesus? Christian, will you trust him? Moms, will you wait upon God for your family? Wives, will you give your husbands to God? Husbands, will you give your wives to God? Singles, will you give your relationships and your future to God? Teens, will you trust God as you wait for your future to unfold for you? Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him now. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, I pray and ask that my friends out there, my family have heard a better sermon than I could preach. Almighty God, if there's someone out there searching and doesn't know you, that through some part of this sermon, you'll cause them to turn to you and cry out to you for love and acceptance and forgiveness and transformation. Lord, I pray. I pray for mothers that trust you. And Lord, as we wait as a people, as we wait on this coronavirus, as we wait on a vaccine, as we wait for the government to show us and point us the way. Lord, would you help us to be patient and believe you are always working and you are sovereign. And may the church arise in Jesus' precious name. Amen.